Hello, everyone, and welcome to I4CP's Next Practices Weekly podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tom Stone, a senior research analyst at I4CP, the Institute for Corporate Productivity, the leading authority on next practices in human capital. The Next Practices Weekly podcast is one of the ways we share those practices with you by interviewing top HR leaders and facilitating discussion with the broader HR community on what high-performance organizations are doing differently with their people practices. From HR strategy to talent acquisition, learning and development, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and much more. In April of 2022, Kevin Oakes, I4CP's CEO and co-founder, joined me for a conversation with Jody Rabinowitz, Head of Talent and Organizational Development at Zoom. We discussed their approach to hybrid and flexible work practices, the corporate culture at Zoom, their approach to onboarding, and much more. Here now is that discussion with Jody Rabinowitz. Well, let's uh, let's introduce our, our special guest today. That's Jody Rabinowitz. She's the head of talent and OD um, from Zoom. Jody, we're just thrilled that you're here with us today. Thank you so much. I realize I'm wearing the same shirt as the picture. Um, I pretty much only own Zoom swag. Uh, one of the benefits is we get a couple hundred dollars for the Zoom store. And so that's all we wear. So anyway, sorry, I didn't, I didn't wear a different outfit. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. I, I, I have the same jacket on that I had in my, my you know, standard photo. Um, well, Jody, let's let's um, get people to know you a little bit. You've worked at a number of interesting organizations in your career uh, in HR and OD. Um, you started really in the financial services sector. You worked at Merrill Lynch. You worked at uh, BNP, uh, Oppenheimer, and then you then you kind of shifted. I'm getting a little bit of feedback here uh, from from Mark, I think. So there we go. Thanks. Then you shifted uh, to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and now you're at Zoom. So walk us through a little bit about you know yourself and your the, the Jody infomercial, basically. Um, so I uh, some matriculated into the Graduate School of Social Work when I was at University of Pennsylvania because. I basically didn't know what I wanted to do and just wanted to postpone my entry into the real world. Mm -hmm. I figured getting a generic degree in people would be, you know, a good choice. Um, I actually landed at Bellevue in the psychiatric emergency room for two years um, as a social worker, not as a patient, but it was fabulous. I was there in the heyday of crack. Um, So I learned so much. uh, And... After that, I made my foray into the corporate world by working at a boutique employee assistance firm. And then then I won the lottery by getting a job at the Center for Creative Leadership. Um, Those were the days where they put an ad in the New York Times um, and I applied. And uh, that was amazing. I feel like I learned so much at the Center for Creative Leadership. I couldn't believe that they unleashed me into companies and asked senior executives, you know, what's keeping you up at night? I, I, I truly had no idea what I was doing, but it was a, a wonderful training ground. And from there, um, Merrill Lynch was my client. Um, and I was um, offered an opportunity to work in, inside. Um, and then, you know, like financial services, who's very accustomed to binging and purging employees based on the market, I was hired and fired um, a number of times just because of the markets. Um, and then 
after financial services, uh, my last one, my last job was at Oppenheimer Funds. Um, and after that, I swore I would never, ever, ever go internal in a company again, that I would hang a shingle. And I got a call from the Metropolitan Museum of Art, um, which was so out of my realm. Um, I, I love art, but I'm not a, I mean, there are people that really will, would sell their firstborn to work at the Met and, and just absolutely love the Met. Um, I mean, I went on class trips and I, I, you know, went on a couple exhibitions, but it wasn't that kind of attachment. But the opportunity um, came at a time where they hired some consultants to um, create better um, performance management and development programs. Um, and so I was hired and when I got there, like nobody knew what to do with me. So um, I was like, wait a minute, didn't you just hire me to transform the Metropolitan Museum of Art? Uh, and I decided that I would just kiss one flower at a time and um, eventually make a garden. That was, a f the, the Met was so amazing. Um, one is, um, unlike financial services for me, the, the product is relatable, right? Like art, um, but all the behind the scenes stuff, conservation and exhibitions and all the things it takes to make a museum run was, was amazing. Um, and then after that, my, my role was eliminated. Um, I was replaced with the union employee relations lawyer and um, thought again about hanging a shingle. And then my former boss from BMP Paribas um, got a job at Zoom and we were just never fired at the same time. And so the timing was right. And she said, I am, I'm here at Zoom to get the company ready for IPO. Um, you know, you need to build a talent and OD function. And um, I started in um, February of 2019. Mm. So I'm employee 1513. We now have over 6,500 employees. Um, 15% of Zoom's workforce was remote pre-COVID. I was one of them. Um, but like the rest of the world, you know, we all got sequestered home that day in March. Um, and, and while we're comfortable with our tool, I mean, the in-office people weren't using the tool to, you know, work with their teams pretty much. Right. They were just, you know, turn to the right, turn to the left. Um, and we have onboarded three quarters of our workforce these past couple of years, they have never stepped foot into a Zoom office. So um, that's that's my story. I'm responsible for Zoomies the minute they walk in the door from onboarding um, to their experience, to engagement, to development. I mean, I, I say um, I'm the happiest part of HR. <laughs> well, so I've got a number of questions based on that story. Um, I, I love uh, the phrase, kiss, kiss one flower at a time to make a garden. So I may, I may steal that one from you someday. Um, tell us a little bit about what the culture was like that you, when you first joined Zoom and how has that changed since, uh, you know, since the pandemic? Um, so I could tell you that when you walked into a Zoom office, um, I at least once a month was either in Denver 
um, which is a, was a big sales hub office and headquarters is in San Jose. I mean, it was palpable. You could feel the energy, the warmth, the, you know, people just loved being there. Um, you know, as a New Yorker, when you walk into an elevator, you don't expect people to say hello to you. You get a little bit suspicious actually, but it, it you know, um, and the offices have very, very active communities around, um, sorry, ha we, we all know what this is about, active communities around, um, you know, volunteer volunteering with the community and they huddle every day and that kind of stuff. So I'll go in another room if she isn't. Nilla. Um, and there's just an energy and an affiliation and, we also have something called the Happy Crew, which is a volunteer squad that um, celebrates birthdays and runs activities. Um, like we, we have something called Zoom Rendezvous where people just show up for half an hour and they give you a question and put you in a breakout room. So that happens every month. Um, and they were also very involved in the local offices. When Zoom shut down, like everybody else, there was, I mean, employees were really upset. They couldn't go out and do volunteer activities. I mean, they, mm -hmm. even if they were wearing masks, it was just not safe. We just, it was, it was hard for them to not really be able to touch the hand. Um, and they missed out on that live interaction. What is it like now? I mean, it's interesting because I got to experience a, like the origins of Zoom culture. And for people that don't have an attachment to that, um, you know, I don't know what it's like for them because I obviously have sort of a fixed mindset around what my experience is. We are a very um, affiliative culture. We do a lot of, like our chat blows up when, um, like if we have a keynote speaker or, um, we had like Martha Stewart for one of the events, we had like Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg, you know, teaching, doing some mixology thing. And the chat is hysterical. So very sort of loose and informal. Um, and it's been interesting culturally because there are all these divides, right? There's like pre-IPO, there's office, then there's no no office, never seen it. Um, and there's this, I remember when we were small and nimble and now we're a bigger company, which actually requires a little bit more structure and some policies and things that are hard when you're used to just, you know, calling the CEO and saying, can you put crunchy peanut butter in the pantry instead of smooth? Like those days are over, but there was a, a real attachment to that. But um, you know, we have all hands twice a month. We answer questions. He's, you know, Eric's very accessible from that perspective. So I think, I mean, again, the culture I experience is a little bit biased because I think I have this image of, you know, what we were. Um, but I, when you talk to new culture, our, our engagement scores for culture are off the charts. Mm. Uh, people are very happy um, with, uh, you know, 
how, how, how friendly and open and willing to help people are. We're not bureaucratic. We are not layered. Um, and we use our tool. We use our tool to build community. We've got 700 different chats. Um, I personally, as you could tell, is probably, I'm in the dog lovers chat. Um, there's a chat called Not So Serious Book Club where, you know, some people read it, some, some don't, some listen to it, doesn't matter, you just show up. Um, and so I think we are like consumers of our own product from that perspective. And that helps to foster a, a fun culture. And you heard uh, Tom and I citing some of those stats earlier. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on those stats, but also just how does that apply to Zoom going forward? Yeah. So um, I will tell you that we just opened the offices a few weeks ago. Um, mm -hmm. We made a uh, declaration that if um, PPO, uh, PPE was required, that no offices would open um, because one, we didn't want employees having to police one another. And two, the idea of being in office is about sort of like that connection and, and the, the mask was a barrier. So that was a, um, we waited a long time before our offices opened. Um, our, our, our philosophy for the moment is you declare hybrid or you declare in the office. Most people are <clears throat> hybrid, very few are in the office. Only 1% of Zoomies want to be in the office full time. Wow. Um, it's and Jody, what, what does hybrid mean to you? So what, what, you know, when you say most people are hybrid, what's that look like in reality? Um, it, could, it means you don't have to declare being in the office full time. It means you can go in one day, you can go in two days, you can go in one full week. You, it's at the moment there is employees are not required, um, unless there are a few roles, um, not required to say, I need to be in, I, I pledge to be in the office on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's not the case. Mm -hmm. um, so on the first day that the London office is opened, we had a hundred people show up. On the second day we had 50. And I think on the third day we had six. <laughs> so I could tell you that, um, our people want to go into the office to connect, like touch each other and high five each other and be social with each other. They don't, we don't need to go into the office to be productive, right? It's, it's you know what I'm saying? It's really social. Um, yeah. And another thing, Kevin, which was funny is, so I have um, three employees in Denver and so they went in the first week it was open and it was really fun to be there, but it's distracting. It was distracting to work because people were social or everyone was accustomed to hunkering down. So even though it was fun, um, it was distracting. So are, are you hearing any of that? I'm just curious. We're so... A bit. I, I just um, sent Tom another study uh, this morning where the social interaction is really the thing that is drawing people back into the office. But I think there's um, some magic in the tenure of teams, too. Now, you, you must have, because you've grown so rapidly, a lot of teams that don't have a lot of tenure. Uh, but in some other organizations uh, that have very tenured teams, they're much more comfortable working outside of the office because they know each other. They know they know how to work with each other, you know, versus having a lot of new people. And I'm just curious, you know, if you've seen any of that dynamic, Jody. 
we you're on. Uh, oh, there you go. Okay. No, no, I was thinking. I was, I was actually, it was quiet because I was thinking. <laughs> um, listen, it, it's hard um, to be new in an organization, even if you're live, right? So it's that much harder to do it remotely. And let me add, doing it remotely in the middle of a pandemic when um, you're homeschooling your kids and the fish are jumping in the boat. You are literally helping customers keep their employees employed, or you are literally in the war room of the World Health Organization. So this is like no joke. The, the sense of responsibility that Zoomies felt and pride, it you know, felt like a mission-driven organization. And doing all that remotely and being new is really hard. And it means that, I'm, I'm going to sort of get to your answer around tenured versus non-tenured. So the tenured employees um, obviously felt the weight greater because they had the responsibility of onboarding, training. They're the knowledge, right, um, of, the new, of the new hires. 200 new hires a month. That's a lot. Yeah. But we do, we are very thoughtful and deliberate, which you have to be in this setting to create connection amongst team members. Um, you know, like we use our backgrounds all the time to tell stories or, you know, get to know each other. Um, we spend, you know, we, we don't have the water cooler or waiting around in the conference room until the right, you know, somebody comes in, they're five minutes late. So, you know, people show up early and, and chat. There's a lot of the connecting before getting down to business. Um, so we've had to be extra thoughtful, doubling down on helping people feel integrated. Because um, as you know, ramping is like teaching them how to do the job, but the integrating and the stickiness is harder. So we've, ha we've had like, our onboarding is um, benefits are important, and so is getting your IT set up. But our onboarding on day one is all about dipping and connecting to each other. Lots of breaking out, lots of getting to know one another. Um, and then we do the other things another day early on, but we deliberately took out sort of the nuts and bolts um, the first day to get people to connect. Is there anything you've changed about onboarding as you've uh, you know gotten into this and, and been doing it for so long, onboarding so many new employees <laughs> on a regular basis? Um, you know, we were getting ready, just in our growth, we were getting ready to make this remote. Um, we used to fly people in from all over the world for a few days. Um, so we're always evolving the live thing. I'm sorry, the, the remote thing the content changes, like it used to be like, go look us up on the internet and find out what Kim Kardashian is saying about Zoom. Um, you know, so th those things change uh, as the stats change um, also about, uh, it's now, I mean, there was a time where it was about how we were serving customers and the stories we had about how we were serving customers and in the middle of the pandemic. And that's, a, we're a little bit off. It's not that we're over the pandemic, but it's it shifted a little bit. So, um, I would just say that content's always evolving, but the core is one, 
walking away with a sense of pride in Zoom, feeling the culture dip and saying, wow, I really did make the right decision to join. And two is connecting with the people in your group. Um, it was so cute. I got a, 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 a chat from the class of 2019 um, onboarding. They're just checking in on, checking in on people recently. Um, so, you know, you, you remember those friends and those friends also are dispersed in all different parts of the companies and ultimately serve to help you navigate, right? Other parts. I love, I love to hear that. We, um, uh, have done a lot of research on onboarding and that's one of the key areas of retaining employees is how well they developed relationships right out of the get-go. And it's, it's not just um, social relationships, but people that can help you advance your career, subject matter experts, you know, just people that um, can influence you uh, going forward. And it sounds like you're doing that in your onboarding uh, classes. The other thing that we're doing, which will be super familiar to everybody here, but uh, we were doing a survey um, of not only the new hires in three months, but the managers are the new hires. And it's so overwhelming for managers, again, onboarding, like ingesting all of those people, again, remotely in the middle of a pandemic, um, meant that they weren't meeting with their new hires the way that we wanted them to. So we instituted a push um, everybody knows 30, 60, 90. So 30, 60, 90, 180, 360 push message through Workday to the employee and to the manager. And the push message is not about performance. It's about integration. So like how, you know, how are things going with your colleagues or have you had the opportunity to participate in, you know, an employee resource group or, and so um, I get a ping and I'm like, wait a minute, it's Damien's 30th day. So like, wow, I, I, well, how did that happen so fast? And so, right, right um, it just reminds me to say, wow, Damien, 30 days, how's it going? Now I talk to Damien every day, right? Or every other day, but just to be a little bit thoughtful, mindful about, again, a prompting question to create connection. And since we've done it, like the numbers have soared. So just the little gentle reminder, employees and managers. So that way an employee, if a manager doesn't approach an employee, the employee can be like, hey, manager, it's, oh my God, can you believe I've been here 90 days? Little connection. Um, yeah. It's made a big difference. Jody, we're getting uh, a lot of questions coming in publicly as well as privately. I want to uh, ask you one question that came to me privately. Uh, earlier on, you were talking about encouraging cross-pollination of functions. And the question is, how do you encourage that when they don't see each other randomly in the office? And have you needed to pivot away from your Zoom team activities? Uh, people in this, uh, the person who asked the questions uh, team are tired of them. I'm just curious, you know, what, what you would say to that. They're tired of the team activities. Like if you were, I think so. I think oh, yeah, that, the, in, the intact team activities, like wine tasting and chocolate tasting and that kind of thing. If, if, if right. Right. We are huge users of the breakout rooms. So all our learning activities, breakout rooms, design your career, breakout rooms. When you do breakouts or 
even if you just break people in pairs, that's where the connections happen. So not only all of our learning activities are in this forum. I mean, you know, we have LinkedIn learning and some other things, but they're very interactive, tons of breaking out. And as I mentioned, we do things like Zoom rendezvous. Now, so Zoom rendezvous is not an intact team, like team activity. People randomly show up. I don't know half of them. And like at Halloween, it was like, you know, what, what Halloween costume do you remember? Something like that. And so I show up on, there's 20 people who I don't, I don't know, or maybe I know a few of them. And they break us out and they give us a question and we talk for 15 minutes and, and regroup. That spontaneous stuff um, helps with the cross-pollination. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tom, I know you've been monitoring the uh, the questions that are coming in over chat. Uh, do you want to yeah. fire a few of those at Jody? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We actually had two different people just ask the sort of tactical question. Um, what kind of stipends does Zoom give for home office, furniture, equipment, anything else um, for, for remote or now hybrid yep. workers? I can actually answer that. So um, pre-COVID, Zoom had this amazing benefit. We got $240 for the gym, a gym benefit, um, yoga, whatever you want. Um, During COVID, obviously people couldn't go to the gym. So they gave the benefit of $300 and you could use it for home equipment. You could use it for anything wellness. You could use it for groceries. Um, And so to date, we still have that $300 benefit. Um, So if I wanted to buy an office chair or something like that, um, I could take it out of that. I could take it out of that $300. Does that answer the question? Yeah, Yeah. I I think so. Um, And then uh, someone else referring back to you mentioning Zoomies really loving to volunteer and, you know, being disappointed when some of those opportunities went away, at least for a little while early on, maybe 2020. Um, What sort of today or going forward, both volunteer, the question was both volunteering and time off policies does does Zoom have? Um, So we, I I understand the question. So, um, Zoomies get full-time non-hourly Zoomies get unlimited PTO. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody takes nobody takes it. <laughs> well, yeah. most people don't take it. Um, so if I take a day off to volunteer, I'm not I'm, I'm getting paid for it. Um, I think that's kind of what they're getting at at the by the question. Um, We've done a lot of stuff virtually, a lot of matching, a lot of campaigns, a lot of you know virtual bike rides and walks and things like that. Um, so, whereas I think some companies will allow employees to take some time dedicated for volunteering, um, we don't have a policy about that. Gotcha. That I'm aware of anyway. Right, right. Um, Kevin, I know one of the other things we we wanted to ask Jody about was um, at least so far, you know, as as the shift maybe is towards some level of hybrid, how um, how hybrid meetings are working out at Zoom. I mean, Zoom you'd think would be experts at using their own tools. Certainly, um, uh, we actually had a poll question on this, so if we could, Zeta, if we could maybe launch the that poll on hybrid meetings, find get a get a pulse of 
of uh, how companies are, are doing there. So we're curious, to what extent is your organization struggling with effective hybrid meetings? That is some people in person while others are remote, you know, at the same time on a, on a meeting. Um, and as these are coming in, Jody, we'd love to hear how, how, they, how the experts maybe at, at Zoom are, are leveraging Zoom for, for hybrid meetings. Do you remember in the olden days where like they had that big Star Trek thing in the middle of the conference room table? Yeah. And, like everybody was around and one person was like, well, I can't hear you. Yeah. Uh, so um, we have Zoom rooms and in the Zoom rooms, um, we have a technology where everybody gets a box. So you are um, yeah, the, the gallery. So you have the gallery while you're also together in a room. And so... It, it's simulate. It is the same experience you have like this. So you're in a room together. You are also in a box. Um, and so people are all seen equally. That's, that's interesting, Jody. You know, one of my hypotheses is we're going to see a lot more innovation around hybrid meetings uh, in the next couple of years. The, the scene in a lot of companies is that Everybody who's uh, in person is being forced to be on their laptop uh, because somehow that's you know more more equitable for everybody, more inclusive for everybody. Yet, you know, you might as well be in separate offices, you know, if, if you're doing that. So it's going to be interesting to see some of the innovations, and I see uh, the results have uh, have come up here, Tom. Yeah, I, I, I ended the poll and shared them out, and. Um... So number one answer, not, not surprising, I guess, sometimes it depends on the type of meeting and also who's leading the meeting, how intentional they are with the, the setup, the design. You know, if you've got some sort of activity that's happening in the meeting, is it well designed for both folks in person and, and that are online? Um, some folks saying it's too early to say, um, maybe they haven't had a lot of experience yet with, with hybrid. Um, I also wanted to know what I put in the chat, an article I wrote last August when I could foresee that this was gonna be a major topic. Um, about, uh, you know, considerations and best practices for hybrid meetings. So that's some of the, the research that we've gathered. And it's been something that I've been very focused on for years. Um, I used to give talks on virtual teams, you know, well, well, you know, best practices for virtual teams well before the pandemic. So it's been a, personally for me on my mind for a, a good, good number of years now. So, I like what, so I, um, oh, sorry, go ahead, Jody. I just wanted to comment on Colleen's comment. Um, because what, I mean, I always get this, well, you have to be in person because you, you know, you, you can't get the same level of intimacy in person as you can, you know, like you, you don't get the same level of intimacy on Zoom as you do in person. I completely disagree. Listen, there's, there are part, there are things about being live, as I say, touching the hand that can't be replicated. But what, this forum does, um, echoing Colleen, is everybody gets an equal square. And so you, you have equity, the extroverts talk, the introverts chat, or they annotate. People are focused. And there is research that has said that um, if you're a um, underrepresented population, there is actually a greater sense of inclusion in this forum than there is if you are live. So um, I just wanted to, to piggyback on, on what Colleen said. And no way, we, we haven't been doing virtual reality at this point. <laughs> I think there will be a lot more research on what you just said too, Jody. 
Um, the, uh, the rise of the introvert has been kind of interesting because I've heard from some introverts, even in our own company, that the pressure to be on camera is too much, you know, and they don't, they don't enjoy that. Um, but the ability to chat, like you just said, gives voice to, uh, to some people that maybe wouldn't have had voice, uh, if they were live in, in that meeting. We did an interesting thing, uh, yesterday, uh, we get together socially every Wednesday morning and Carrie Bevis, who you've seen in the chat, she, she runs, uh, this meeting uh, every Wednesday morning where we, uh, put up different backgrounds of vacation spots that we had been to or, uh, wanted to go to. And it gave everybody a chance to talk about that. You know, you, you just you looked at the vacation spot and you, you, know, you mentioned it to them. So I thought that was a, a good exercise. I also wanted to comment. There was a great um, comment in the chat here from Karen um, in the poll here. 14 percent said they have implemented some strong best practices. If anybody who said they have, if you're part of that 14% and you want to speak up, please raise your hand and share some of those best practices. We'd love to hear from you. Um, I've made three job offers with my background. <laughs> Somebody comes to meet with me and it says you're hired. We love leveraging our backgrounds. So it's a great way to make a connection. I see Wade has raised his hand. Wade, you're off mute. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I'm in the federal government, and we've been doing this for a long time with 100% of us being being up, uh, on telework during COVID. But the key is planning for the person that's not in the room with you, making sure that we have a level playing field. So, Jody, you talk about boxes. We all have our laptops, and everyone's on a laptop, whether they're away from the workplace or they're in the office or we're all in the same room or we're scattered in the same building or what have you. So first we level the playing field. Second, we have to be much more deliberate about what we're doing in meetings. We have to identify what's going on and project that and share with that early. So is it decision-making? Is it a collaboration meeting? Is it a problem-solving meeting? Is it just information sharing? By identifying what that is, people understand what, where, and how they're going to react and be part of that meeting. And we also make it very clear as to how questions are going to be asked, whether it's a raise your hand or just jump in and what have you. So we have people that used to come to meetings that don't even have an agenda, have no plan of what's going on. And that is deadly when you're on Zoom. I just say one other thing. The best part about Zoom is that I think we're so much more in touch with our with our colleagues than ever before. During COVID, I mean, you were seeing everyone's house the way it's decorated, the way things are going on, the dogs, the animals. We have a we have Animal Thursday when we have a meetings on Thursday. Everyone pulls their pet up to, to show who the pet is. So uh, we found it to be much a very clean process. Now, clearly, one thing: there are some collaboration and strategy meetings where you absolutely do need to be in person. There are some meetings like that, but they're few and far between. Few and far between. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate all of that, Wade. Some some good advice, some of which was echoed by some of the speakers we had at our conference. Basically, you want to design the, the 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 meeting or the event or the training for those that aren't in the room. Uh, I think that's a, a great line. And love Jody as as Wade was speaking there. You pivoted around and, and we see your your friend there. What's his what's his or her name? His name is Bosco. So Bosco, um, nice. As you as some of you might know, that's the name of a chocolate syrup. It was and, also the a main theme of a Seinfeld episode. Yes. Yep. Remember. Yep. And as a Very sister good. named Nilla, she's yellow, like Nilla Wafer. 
Nice. So you, you like the sweets in your family. It sounds like. Yeah. I definitely they, eat sweets before my dinner hands down. <laughs> and they go well together. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like this comment that Carlos put in the chat, uh, and I'd love to get your comments on it, Jody. We have a, more than 100 years of office work experience, um, so suggesting that that's the best way to work, interact with others, might not necessarily be correct after a couple of years now of remote work experience. And I, I, I agree with that, Carlos. I feel like we're just now starting to discover um, how, we, how we leverage some of this. Is that what you feel, Jody? Oh, yeah. I love, I love this. I love trying to get rid of that fixed mindset of, well, the way I learned was like, I've been, I went to the office every day. Well, um, you know, the research shows that productivity isn't lost, right? Right. I I cannot tell you how many hours I work uh, way more than nine to five. Sometimes I go to yoga and I start my day at 11, but I work on Saturday nights when I got nothing to do, which I never have anything to do anyway. But I mean, get your work done, period, the end. There's at least at Zoom, there's not been any loss of productivity, the opposite. So this is so familiar to everybody in your audience. Um, For the people that do have that fixed mindset, I would just, again, question, what have we been doing in the past two years? What's been lost? You know, what, what have you noticed? And the answer is not, not much, except again, touching the hand. Um, but the other thing is we haven't touched the hand physically, um, but as Wade had mentioned, we have peeked into people's personal lives in the most profound way. Mm-hmm. Um, not only by sitting with them in their kitchen and their pets, but by all feeling the weight of this pandemic and the spontaneity of sadness and grief and fear and anxiety. Nobody has escaped that in this forum. So no matter how buttoned up you are. And so that is not touching the hand physically like you are live, but again, experiencing this humanity um, in this forum that has also deepened relationships in a way that would not have occurred had we been in the office. Yeah, that's a great point. There's humanity that you get in shared in-person experiences that can't be replicated online or even in virtual reality, frankly, although that gets us a little bit closer. But then there's different types of humanity experiences that come through online, like like what you're describing and like what Wade described. So there's there's trade-offs there. Uh, I wanted to note a couple of folks in the chat um, have talked about, um, you know, the issue of companies saying that they're that they're being flexible because they're being hybrid because you have to come in these three days um and we're giving you the other two days as as though that's you know which in the past would have been seen as a great gift uh to employees to be able to work two days from home but these days that's coming across as still very structured very restrictive you said earlier that at zoom that's not the approach you're leaving it to employees and their managers and and the teams to decide and being far more intentional and specific about what days are coming in go uh, yeah, and, and one of the things I wanted to note is um, I need the 
that that we uh, we did a, we did some research, and again, going back to what I described, how we do our research correlating to high performers versus low, we found a stronger correlation to high performance organizations were those that were doing what you're doing at Zoom, which is having that true flexibility um, and not the the sort of uh, yeah hybrid in name, uh, flexible maybe uh, in name, where it's not truly flexible. You're saying you have to come in say Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or even four days a week. Um, that that uh, actually produces more negative outcomes for organizations, according to our most recent research. So yeah, totally makes sense. What I hope doesn't happen is that people's biases, meaning the manager's biases, don't creep. Um, truly, truly, we have said to Zoomies, you make the choice. Um, but I'm hoping, like again, if this is one big giant science experiment for all of us, right? Um, that, that the thing that you're discussing doesn't happen. We are, again, have not declared you have to do certain days, um, but we'll, we'll see what the evolution is. Yeah, I think in general, humans are pretty good at adapting, right? And I think we're in an adaptation phase right now um, with remote work and how we use technology. I always go back to a story I love from the 50s uh, in the outback in Australia, where one of my best friends grew up. And because it was very impractical for them to get on a bus and drive 100 miles back and forth uh, to school, they all had shortwave radios and they had school of the air. And every morning the kids would get on the shortwave radio and that was how they learned. And yeah. today my friend is CEO of a, of a major organization and had a great education, but I think people adapt to the situations that they're in. Yeah, yeah. And for those who remain rigid, as your, as your information showed when you first started, there will be, people will quit. Or, you know, it, it's, you're not going to, companies won't get the best talent. Um, so again, I sort of am like waiting, like sitting back and waiting to see how this all plays out. <laughs> Jody, I'd, I'd like to, um, we've only got a few minutes left. I want to use co-host prerogative here and ask you one, one question. You mentioned some of your long tenured employees taking sort of great pride in all of the really important work, especially early on during the pandemic, um, not just for companies, but for NGOs, for government, for, I know Zoom has gotten into some schools um, and just providing support for communities. Um, mm -hmm. my, my mom is 82 years old and during the pandemic, she has had Zoom meetings with her homeowners association, so people that literally live down the street from her. She's had Zoom meetings with Kodak alumni, because there's a lot of those, former Kodak employees. And then she's a former Catholic nun, and she's got other 80-year-olds who are former nuns who have all gathered on Zoom calls together. Really curious thing to see that. Um, do you have people at Zoom that really take great pride in supporting all the non-corporate um, oh, customers? That, that uh, Do you have folks focused on that? Um, I mean, we have people that, um, well, we have a whole sector that only, you know, that services education and healthcare and government. Um, you know, we're Homeland Securities, yeah. you know, we were, you know, Zelensky's communication, you know, mm -hmm. communication. wow, um, really powerful, right. so powerful. The first adoption was done mm -hmm. on Zoom, um, you know, court cases were done on Zoom, so Lot we all have felt a great deal of pride, and and also you know how cut off people felt. This 
Zoom was never intended to, you know, do funerals and class reunions. Um, it was intended to be, you know, for the enterprise. But there's tons and tons of amazing stories about um, how this tool has enabled connection um, when connection was otherwise severed. Yeah, that's great to hear. I'm, I'm sure if I worked at Zoom, I'd feel the same way. The pride, yes, in supporting corporates, uh, absolutely, as, as maybe your biggest customer segment, but in supporting governments and supporting NGOs and supporting community groups, all the other examples you just gave. So thanks for sharing some of those. Well, it's been great. We're at the top of the hour. We're at the end of our, our time together. Jody, you've been a wonderful guest. I know, Kevin, you, you surely feel the same. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing, Jody. Obviously, uh, with the, the activity in the chat, people really appreciate everything you've been able to uh, teach us today and some of the insights that you've shared. So thanks, thanks again for that. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of I4CP's Next Practices Weekly podcast. I encourage you to join us live for these discussions each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific time, so that you can ask questions of our guests and co-hosts and participate in the conversation. Just go to i4cp.com forward slash events to register. We hope you'll keep tuning in as I4CP brings you more great HR executives to discuss how high-performance organizations are leveraging best and next practices in HR. Uh, registration is open for our Next Practices Now conference in late March this year in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, it's an annual tradition that we're super excited to be back to after two years of being virtual only. It is both in-person and virtual, so if you can't make it in Scottsdale, you do have that other option, and there'll be a lot more information coming on the speaker lineup very soon. Thank you, and we hope you have a great and productive week ahead.